Hey, it's April. We're trying something a little different this weekend, giving you a slice of conversations that we didn't have time to drop into the pods this week. It's a special stateside extra, just for you. We thought you might want to hear about this before the event that we're talking about, the Detroit Puppet Slam, is over. So enjoy, and we hope you're having a great weekend. When you think of puppet shows, does your mind just go immediately to googly eyes glued onto a sock? Or maybe something a little more elaborate pops into your head, like Sesame Street. Or the iconic Jim Henson classic, The Dark Crystal. A great conjunction comes. Now we will live forever. Chances are you have not seen the kind of live puppet work on display at the Detroit Puppet Slam. This is Stateside. I'm April Bear. This four-day event goes through Sunday. Stateside producer April Van Buren recently went to talk to the people behind the puppets as they got ready for this weekend. The lights go down at Planet Ant Theater, and a spotlight comes up on a small window between these big pieces of draped black fabric. It's filled with papier-mâché plants painted in these muted greens and yellows. Plants! They are all around us. They make up 86% of the Earth's biomass. But what are they really thinking? An old man in a tiny brown hat pops into the frame to introduce the show, and then the plants start talking. Oh yeah, yesterday's breeze blew all my brown petals off. That's the best thing that's happened to me since I got pollinated. This is the opening scene from American Vegetative Low Lives Gone Wild, what a title, by puppet artist Lindsay McCaw, with assistance from fellow puppeteer Jason Hicks. It's one of a dozen shows slotted for this weekend's Detroit Puppet Slam. And while the stage is small, there is a lot of work that goes into creating a puppet show like this. Unlike, say, a play with human actors, many of these puppet artists have to physically build their characters before they can even start rehearsal. Uh, oh my god, does it have eyelids? Yeah. Oh my god, it's... <laughs> that is awesome. I'm telling you, it, it, was, it, was, it took some time for this one. That's James Abbott. He's another one of the puppet artists who will be performing at the Slam this weekend. And on his arm is perched this large, furry black cat. What I have here is I have my lovely puppet, Tomato, which will be in my uh, play, uh, Tomato Based. And it is a hand puppet that is all 3D printed, and it is designed to look like a black cat, and it has movable eyes that will blink, as well as a movable mouth that allows him to talk as well as eat food. Uh, he also has uh, movable legs, and it's connected right to my arm, so I have I'm all fully supported and able to move him in any direction I want to move him in. Can you talk to me a little bit about the process of making tomato? Uh, well, tomato, wow. I started off with a PVC pipe, and that is all I had. I knew I wanted him to be a little bit larger than a house cat because I wanted the audience to see him far back. Uh, I started off with uh, uh, getting a mold of a, a head, and what I did was I looked online to find a uh, model of a mask, uh, and I shrunk that down. 
and it's very easy to shrink things down on 3D printing. So I shrunk it down to the size I wanted. And then I sort of just started molding the heads, taking different shapes and seeing like this. Okay, this kind of looks like cat ears. Put that in together. Okay, this kind of looks like a nose. Let's smack that in together. And then I printed it. And then after several failures, I was able to get the size I wanted to make out to making this tomato right here. Tomato is modeled after James' actual cat as are some of the puppet cat's misadventures. He doesn't do all the antics that he's gonna do in the show, but he does quite a lot of antics. And that's why his name is Tomato, because I want to throw a tomato at him sometimes. <laughs> Abbott says he first got into puppetry about eight years ago. He came across a Facebook post advertising a part-time job at the Puppet Art Theater. He applied and started working as a puppeteer. I was there for about three years, and then after that, I've just been sort of obsessed with puppets. I just sort of love the, the miniature theater world. There's something about taking an inanimate object and making it alive and being able to just sort of let your imagination flow in a way that real life cannot do. So puppets are able to be a dragon, a butterfly, you know, and it could be large, it could be small. It, the world is, 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 can be anything. It's just so amazing. It's just simply your imagination. That sense of whimsy and possibility was something all the puppet artists I talked to mentioned. The chance to create something you just couldn't normally see in real life. That same whimsy carries over to the space that the Detroit Puppet Company calls home. And can you tell me where we are right now? Yes, we are located at 2221 Carpenter Street. This is the site of Detroit Puppet Company's Puppet Studio. That's the group that's hosting this weekend's slam. And this is the woman behind the project. My name is Carrie Morris. I'm the founding director of Detroit Puppet Company. We are uh, a nonprofit on um, Detroit Northwest's side on the border of Hamtramck, um, who believe that something as small as a puppet can create massive social change. The house we're in is easy to spot. Its outside walls are painted with these big, bold, black and white stripes. Blue metal sculptures line the sidewalk. They frame the house's yard and these three large mounds of earth. Um, you'll see a very large, it's like a six foot by five foot window and several tiered landscaping hills in the grounds outside. We actually use this window as a shadow puppet stage. We have a shadow puppet curtain that's built into the window here and we have the puppeteers sit inside and manipulate the puppets and then the audiences will sit outdoors um, and watch the show. Um, and so this has been great. And so what else would someone do you know, when they're redoing a property then build a ton of puppet stages into it? I don't know, but it made sense to me and that, is, um, that has been great fun here. Uh, in the back over here. Upstairs, there are shelves upon shelves upon cabinets filled with all different kinds of puppets. You'll see in the corner, there's like a big stack of uh, uh, silhouette-based, big stack of shadow puppets, silhouette-based shadow puppets that are kind of all flat and foam core or cardboard and can be stacked together. We also have a lot of different curtains for different screens. We have Bunraku-style puppets made out of wire and paper mache and wood. We've got... Um, different uh, traveling crates. Carrie purchased this house puppets. from the city back in 2012. At the time, she was actually working as a puppet curator for the Detroit Institute of Arts, which, side note, apparently has a huge collection of historical puppets. The house was pretty beat up. It didn't have proper plumbing or electrical work, but 
carry out a vision. So I was at the DIA for several years um, and living a few blocks away from this space on Carpenter Street, still making my own work as a puppet practitioner. And I started to feel like I wanted to see more of that high caliber puppet work that I was curating at the DIA in neighborhoods that maybe would not have um, or had historically not had the same access to um, high caliber arts experiences. And so I left my position at the DIA um, to start um, uh, the Detroit Puppet Company. Originally, it was just me. Um, and so I had started originally under the name Carrie Morris Arts Production. And after a few years, it became really apparent that um, not only is it just not me, but also that there were a ton of people in the area that were supportive of and excited by and contributing to and wanted to uplift um, this work of using puppets to inspire social change. Um, and so we uh, had a rebrand and a name change um, to the Detroit Puppet Company, and here we are. We need to take a break. Back with more puppetry in a moment. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Puppets, it's, it's one of those things that feels almost like a lost art. And so I'm wondering, you know, as you were building this space, um, kind of what reaction you would get from, from people around here, from people you run into when you tell them what you're doing. I hear you on that, um, that feeling that it's a lost art. When, as I was um, creating this space, part of the creation of the space was also programming the space. And so I think, um, you know, talking to direct neighbors, talking to community members, talking to block clubs about, oh, we're, you know, we make puppets here. This is the puppet studio. Um, a lot of that was also just practice based. Um, some neighbors would, I would meet them and they would say, oh, I've seen you rehearsing with puppets outside. I've seen you building these puppets things. Um, can I bring my kids over? Can I bring my grandkids over? Um, and I think that's part of what Detroit Puppet Company does too. There are sometimes misconceptions about the field of puppetry that it is just for kids or that it is just, um, you know, this kind of this art that's for ages three or three to five years old or is it's um, didactic than the narratives and stuff like that. And so a lot of it was also about informing the general public about what puppetry is and what it can be. course, sometimes the best part about puppets is the chance to just be a little silly. Imagine a world where every child's voice is heard, where every child's input, ideas, aspirations, and opinions are upheld as the law of the land. Imagine a world 
where kids can vote and opinions are upheld as the law of the land. Imagine a world. Hi, I'm, I'm Oliver Pooper. Um, I am a theater artist. My name is Jason Hicks. I am a puppeteer with the Flying Cardboard Theater and with Oliver Pookram here. And also have a puppet company in New York called the Boxcutter Collective. I met up with James and Oliver as they were making some final tweaks to their script for this weekend. Their show is called Reality Revolution, The Kids Vote. The script follows a senator trying to capture the elementary school vote in his next election. The kids always seem to have their hands out, demanding this and demanding that. And whatever we give them is never enough. Um, well, our polls reveal a sharp decline just after your speech advising kid voters to eat more vegetables and less french fries. Oh my goodness! Oliver said he Are tried to write serious? something that would grab kids' attention while also keeping their adults entertained, too. To me, um, you're dealing with two different needs, two different psychologies, um, two different expectations. So um, when approaching children, I'm, 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 I'm cognizant of what what thoughts and concepts might this bloom in their heads, you know? And what would this be healthy for them? Or what can I do to help children be more creative, be more imaginative, feel more uh, uh, valuable in the world? Um, with adults, it's more of challenging. You know, I usually kind of focus on challenging um, what we, uh, concepts and ideas and thoughts and behaviors that we've kind of been uh programmed and trained into thinking. It's like it's trying to help us see ourselves better. Like the, the other show that we have was made to be a kid show and it's like yeah. we were it's like that one it's like we're still learning like oh for it's a half hour what is it like 40 35 minute yeah. show or so yeah. which is kind of getting long for a kid show. 30 or 40 minutes, yeah. yeah and so it's like learning like with a kid show it's like you just have to make sure there's enough little spots every like what I love remember George like every two to three minutes you need something that directly engages the kids like Oliver's great at like reaching out like asking the kids directly a question you know the character is like constantly breaking the fourth wall so that the kids are like oh the puppet's talking to me instead of it just being like it's just a puppet show you're watching it's like the puppet is actually like reaching out to the kids to like keep them with the storyline Oliver, I'm wondering, you know, like as an actor, obviously the craft that you learn is learning how to convey emotion. And I'm guessing like, you know, a lot of that is like things that you feel in your own body or facial expressions you make. And how do you, so how do you work on translating that then to a puppet to have that same emotional resonance with an audience? Well, yeah, I'm still working on that. That's, that's, I'm, I'm a relatively new puppeteer. I've been, you know, like I said, for uh, on and off doing, uh, puppet, your know, actual um, animating puppets uh, for the past, you know, uh, only probably three or four years. And then working before that, I was working with puppeteers as a narrator, as an actor. So as uh, a new puppeteer, I-, I focus a lot on the voice, obviously, you know, that's that's because <laughs> that's what I know. Um, but you'll see a lot of the shows in this puppet slam from what I've observed just from sitting through people's rehearsals and texts that some of them don't have any talking in it, you know, there, and, and sometimes not even sound, you know, there's no sound is the, the, the puppets are moving around, you know, the stage is visual. So you don't get to use your voice 
to communicate uh, emotion, like you said. So now <laughs> you're back. You're back learning a new art form, which is how do you communicate that without going falling back on all your acting. There is a psych. There's a whole psychology behind um, puppetry that I'd like to understand more. Because first of all, I, like we were saying, the puppets are um, magical and non-threatening. I, like Oscar the Grouch, who's grouchy all the time, is very beloved and never in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when when the you know when 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 you yell cut, Oscar's gone. He's not anything more than that. I mean, there's a human. <laughs> there is a human being, but we let it go. It's like when you think of like what poetry is to like versus an essay. To me, a puppet is like the poetry version of it because it's only it's down to the bare bones minimum oscar the grouch is a grouch that's what it is they aren't complicated like people sometimes people try you see you can make them more or less but they're never can be as complicated as a human being because they only have so much they can do and they're so much they're i don't think they're physical like it's a physical thing like like i feel like you can watch a human's face just talk and tell you a narration of a story puppet you if a puppet talks a lot, it has to have some physicality going on to it. It's like, or it's a, I think it was like a, like melodrama, like super over the top, cheesy melodramas. And it's far when I think of like acting, uh, like to me, that's like what puppetry, is. like puppetry, you can like, like I feel like everything always kind of needs to be turned up to 11. That's it. That's it. We could tell the kid voters that we will put a swimming pool in every classroom. So if you want to see some puppets, turn it up to 11 this weekend. You can check out Oliver and Jason and 10 other puppet artists at the Detroit Puppet Slam. And Carrie Morris says there is going to be something for everyone there. There are so many forms of puppetry in this Puppet Slam. I, um, I think we've got it pretty much covered. <laughs> but you should come and find out and, and check me if I'm wrong and be like, you missed the Boon Raku style ones ne and next year you can propose that. For Stateside, I'm April Van Buren. Arts and culture coverage on Stateside is supported in part by an award from the Michigan Council for Arts and Cultural Affairs. And that's today's Stateside Podcast Extra. Thank you so much for listening. I'm April Bear. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.